On today's edition of Grape Encounters Radio, we will take you where no wine show has ever dared to go before. Here's a little taste of what's to come. One of the things that you have to watch out for is you cannot have anything that connotates consuming the product would make you feel better in any form. Are you telling me we can't name a wine happy? Oh, no, no, uh-huh, no, no, not you at can't? all. can't? That is right up there with the most ridiculous alcoholic beverage laws I've ever heard in my life. And now from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in the quaint, friendly, and historic town of Atascadero, California, it's time to enjoy an hour of the really good stuff on Grape Encounters Radio. Heck, we may even uncork a bottle or two of wine while we're at it. Here's David Wilson. Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow Time for your weekly grape encounter And last week we took you to the incredible World-class wine tasting event Wine Song in Mendocino Unfortunately, we didn't have enough time to share a very special conversation with Martha Barra, wife of legendary winemaking icon Charlie Barra of Barra of Mendocino. Martha is a driving force behind this extraordinary winery, but at 15 years Charlie's junior, admits it can be tough sometimes keeping up with the man who started alongside Louis Martini, Robert Mondavi, and other winemaking legends and continues on at nearly 90 years old. So before we visit with some other very special friends of Grape Encounters, I want to take you back a week or so for one final visit to Wine Song and my conversation in the Mendocino Botanical Gardens with the very charming Martha Barra. The conversation begins as I ask Martha just how many seasons Charlie has harvested grapes. Here's what she said. Season number what? 71st Harvest. <laughs> Is that crazy? And you were there for every one of them. <laughs> Thank you, David. No, I married Charlie 36 years ago and jumped right in. So You're just I, a youngster. You're, yeah. you're a whippersnapper. In reference to Charlie, I am. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, it must have been so interesting in Charlie's day because he truly was, in Mendocino County, one of the great pioneers. And in those days, rubbing elbows with pioneers from some of the other areas as well, right? Exactly. The, the Robert Mondavis of the world. And Louis Martini. Yeah. And the, and the Gallows. What and Raffinelli. What does Charlie say about those early days? Did any of these guys know what they were headed for? That their names were going to be as commonplace as many presidents? Most no, presidents, I know. as a matter of fact. Yeah. I, I don't think they recognize the real import of the wine industry as it was in the 60s as compared to what it is today. And it's changed dramatically. Well, you've been here through really the biggest rush of it all yourself, right? And so it's got to be shocking to you. It's shocking to us to see the number of large, large company and investors who've come into the industry as compared to the Gallos or the Mandavis or even the, the Raffinellis. You know, the people who were in the dirt or Charlie Barra, who was in the dirt in the 50s and 60s. What's been lost in all that? Well, you know, I think what we are seeing here in Mendocino County is that we're what Napa was 40 years ago. Yeah. And everyone relates that to us. And so we're still back with the small, handcrafted, small wineries, you know, 5,000, 20,000 cases. What is lost in when there's the big companies who come in? Personality. Personality. There's not a story. Yeah. There's no story that's attached 
attached to constellation. Um, Although I would say this, that I hear this a lot from the Gallo organization, and no doubt Charlie knew the Gallo family when they were just... Definitely. The and Gallos, that's still the a Gallos, story. The Gallo's next door, right? They, that's still a story. Yeah. That's still family. But there's, a, I think, with some of these large organizations, a determination to... Uh, even though they buy up these brands to let the brands be what they are. And I'm glad to see that that happens. Uh, In many instances, m- much of it the does. Way. Now, uh, how many offers have you all had from bigger brands? Maybe you're, you're going to... No, you know, we really haven't. We're 20,000 cases. And besides that, we farm organically and have been certified for over 25 years. And also our wines carry the California Certified Organic Farmers label. So we're on that tier with Bonterra. Yeah. There aren't very many of us around. It's something that we really believe in and have for, as I say, we've been certified for over 25 years. So let's talk about Mendocino County. Mendocino wines are interesting because they certainly are on par with the finest wines of California, but I think there's definitely a pioneer spirit and perhaps even a resistance to being what Napa and Sonoma is. How hard do winemakers like yourselves work at digging your heels? in. Is it a conscious thing in Mendocino or is it just an unwritten law that we're not going to be that big? One of the things that holds us back from growing is number one, we don't have big wineries. We have Fetzer, which right. is about 3 million cases and we have Parducci, big. Yeah. which is which is 300,000. Yeah. I mean, that's a real difference. And beyond that, now we're going back to the 40 at the most, 20,000 down to you know, a thousand cases, right. making very, very fine, particularly Pinot Noir. We're just noted for our Pinot Noir. Do we dig our heels in and say we don't want to become like Napa? No, we really don't because this is a lifestyle. But one of the things that keeps visitors from coming is our distance from the airport. Yeah. You know, it's 37 minutes to Napa. It's from San Francisco two or Two and Oakland, a half hours. Guess, yeah. It's two and a half hours to get up you got to want to come here. You have to know the beauty that's here. But this uh, event that we're at has a tremendous reputation. It does. And it draws a lot of support from a lot of very fine Napa families, too. The Grace family, Dick Grace right. and his wife are masters of ceremonies for the event this time. That's Napa at its finest. So we are supported in this event by others other than Mendocino County. If you had the stamina, which none of us, I think, do, you could do an event like this. You could do five of these a weekend, couldn't you? I mean, there's that many of these kinds of events Oh, absolutely. You can now. attend them, and, yes. and, and, I, and I think that it's really the preferred way, is it not, for people to get to know wine, is to get out to these events because you're going to get all your food, you're going to get all your wine. And David, one of the things I think that you'll find here at this event is that you're going to be rubbing elbows with the owners of the companies. Wait, we're not, I'm going to rub uh, yes, your elbow you right now. Look at that. You can do that. <laughs> we really we're did not, rub elbows there, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're not sending staff because we want to be the ones telling our story. And it's nice to see that these kinds of events are becoming more and more commonplace because there are so many wine labels out there. I feel for the consumer who has to walk into a wine retail store, you know, and hopefully they heard us talk about Bar of Mendocino and know that we recommend that wine and that it's going to be a good wine, but haven't helped them with the other 500 wines on the shelf that they are going to roll the dice on. And, you know, when you go out and you buy a pair of jeans or a shirt,
spirit or something like that, a commodity. Wine is one of the few that you are absolutely, unless you're familiar with it, it's a crapshoot. Yes, it you is. No idea. Yes, and you're going to throw a lot of money away potentially too. And this is the value of tasting the wine before you go back to the market to buy it. Yeah, exactly. So tell me a little bit about what goes on from here. Now, Charlie is 90. He'll be 90 in December. 90s. Is there a big party being planned? Yes, there is. Big one. And I'll be 75. There's 15 years between us. So yes, we're planning a big party. You look like a spring chicken though. Oh, thank you, sir. You look awesome. Now, how many harvests does Charlie think he's got in him? This is 71. He started when he was in high school. He's he going to just keep going though, right? As long as he can. <laughs> Absolutely. Has he ever used the you know, R word, retirement? You know what, David? If you walk into Safeway in Fort Bragg right now, you're going to see a picture of Charlie Barra. A huge Shoplifting? No, no. Oh, okay. All right. No, no. <laughs> okay. With a five or six case stack display. He's still on our front cover, even at almost 90. Yeah, the body's a little frail, but listen, this is an amazing person. And I think it's very important to know that for some people, they may not know the Barra name as well as Gallo. the Gallo name or the Mondavi name, but they are all contemporaries and yes. they are all just as good as one another. Yes. You know, they all taught each other really in a lot of ways, right? Right. And he talks about how Louis Martini allowed him to come and get graft wood from their vineyards. And Winties, we have to talk about yeah. Winties. We have the old Winty Chardonnay clone, little tiny small bunches. Pinot Blanc, same thing. These folks were all contemporaries of one another, helped each other, borrowed things, shared cups of sugar, right? Or in this case, Budwood. Budwood. That's exactly. what they shared, and knowledge. Encouragement for Charlie was what it was because he was changing from what he called Vin Ordinaire varietals, Alicante Boucher, French Colombard, Chenin Blanc, and he was changing to Pinot Noir, Cabernet, and Chardonnay, of course. You, of course, excel in Pinot. How do you explain the Pinot phenomenon? Why is it still so popular? Is that what you're saying? What's going on here? There's so many good ones. Uh-oh, the band's starting to play now. Yes, it is. There are so many good Pinots, but you have to grow Pinot in an area where the nights are very cool. And it is a cool climate. Great. If you get it over in the Central Valley, it's just not the same Pinot Noir. Right, exactly. But I guess my, my other question is, why is it that people love Pinot so much? You because know? it's easy to drink. Yeah. And uh, also it pairs with so many foods. I happen to like the big wines, but... Um, Me too. Petite Syrah. We make a wonderful Petite Syrah, as yes, you well know. know. In fact, we're going to head over now. The band has just forced us to shut up. Yes, so that's how true. about this? How about you and I cut a rug here on the, on the grass <laughs> for a moment, do you mind? And then we'll go over, we'll drink a little wine, and we'll come back, right? What do you think? Foxtrot? Uh, Whatever you choose, David, I can follow. Let's see if we can get them to play a tango. And then we will tango straight over to the Barra of Mendocino table. And then what shall I sip first? Oh, I think you should try the barrel fermented Chardonnay. Okay, done deal. We'll do that and we'll continue on with more Grape Encounters. Welcome back to America's number one wine radio show. Grape Encounters with David Wilson. I'm gonna shower, shave, and dress up. Gonna spit shine my old boots. I'll go down to the drugstore, get some chocolate and vermouth. I really love my little baby. And we are back with Grape Encounters Radio. We just had that replay of the interview that I did with Martha Barra up at Winesong a couple of weeks ago. And there was somebody up there that I was so glad to run into. I have no idea why he was at Winesong in Mendocino because 
A very long way from home was our friend Michael Blaylock. He is the director of winemaking at Quadi, and they're down in Madera. If you don't know where that is, if you're familiar with the town of Fresno, California, I'm thinking it's about 45 minutes north of there. And I've got Michael on the line because we had a conversation that we did not record at Wine Song, but I've been thinking about Michael ever since the event. And Michael, welcome to Grape Encounters. Hey, thanks a lot, David. Man, nice to have you on, and it was really a pleasure to run into you up there at Winesong. Was that not the best event? That was an incredible event, and actually running into you was pretty incredible, too. As, as I recall, we were both just walking down one of the walkways in that uh, beautiful uh, botanical garden there and stumbled onto each other, so to speak. Yeah, well, don't tell people we stumbled. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> that probably is the truth, after all. But anyway, you know... We have had you guys on the show a couple of times, and for people who are not familiar with Quadi, and it's hard kind of not to be because you've got some really best-selling aperitifs and dessert wines. You are a national brand. You do some really unusual things, but the one thing that you're extremely famous for is vermouth, and I realized after kind of sitting there and talking to you, vermouth is a subject we have never talked about on this show. Not one time have we talked about vermouth except in passing with Andy. And that was uh, it. uh, Vermouth, I I mean, as you're indicating, is uh, there's actually a resurgence in it, which is really, really uh, exciting and and good, uh, you know, experience and everything else. It's been popular in Europe, you know, for, you know, centuries. And so finally, it's kind of catching on here a little bit. But what's the deal? I mean, because first of all, I don't think anybody even knows what vermouth is. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's something that you make martinis with, right? For most people. Yeah. I think one of the biggest uh, misconceptions right off the get-go is that a lot of people think it's a, a spirit, and it's not. It's, it's, uh, it's all wine-based. Right. Um, so it is, it's a wine, and, uh, and to that wine, you've added uh, a number of different uh, botanicals, uh, different kind of herbs and stuff, just to ex- you know, make it exciting, <laughs> and uh, it's beautiful. So I got a package the other day from you. It was like the best care. It should have said C-A-R-E on it. It was like the best care package. <laughs> Three bottles of vermouth. You had a sweet vermouth, a whisper dry vermouth, and then a dry vermouth in there with probably the most beautiful labels I've probably ever seen on a bottle of wine or spirits and then my favorite wine deviance oh right right oh my gosh <laughs> and, and that is your aphrodisiac aperitif yeah it, it actually uh it, you're of course not supposed to uh, advertise anything as an aphrodisiac but the two herbs that i used in there is uh scented rose geranium and uh, if you're into any witchcraft lore or anything like that, that's used in uh, love potions and that type of stuff. Yeah. And the other herb is uh, Damiana. And that's, uh, that's an herb that comes out of Central and South America. And there it's used as a uh, fertility herb, so to speak. <laughs> so, I mean, you've got this love potion and a fertility herb. Yeah, I'd call it an aphrodisiac. You know what? I love the word Damiana. I just love saying oh, yeah. Damiana. Wouldn't that be a great... I mean, if I had a daughter, I would name her Damiana were it not... Not for the fact that it implies some things that I definitely wouldn't want young boys Googling, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, uh, the, the word itself, and the, I mean, what we finally called uh, the deviation there is, uh, we went around and around with, you know, the labeling of that with the uh, TTB, the uh, federal regulator, you know, for wine labels, because one of the things that you have to watch out for is you cannot have anything that connotates uh, drinking or consuming the product would, would make you feel better in any form. <laughs> and uh, so we had a number of other uh, names for it. Originally, uh, Deviation was the only one they'd go with. Are you telling me we can't name a wine Happy? Oh, no, no, uh, no, no, not you at can't? all. You can't? 
No, really? I didn't know. I had no idea. So yeah, we can't, yeah you, you, can't, uh, you can't name it anything that's going to, uh, like I said, connotate any uh, good, goodwill or good feeling or anything else. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that, that, you know what? That is right up there with the most ridiculous alcoholic beverage laws I've ever heard in my life. That's, oh, the story. I mean, I've been around for 30-something years now doing this stuff. The run-ins with uh, TTB are, are, are legendary. Yeah. The, the reasoning behind things is often we're, uh, strange. We're going to have to get somebody from TTB on the show. We've never done it before, but we, we need to. Well, I actually am calling you. You know, I know this seems like kind of a random phone call, but I'm actually calling you because I am prepared to uh, hop in the car and drive out to Quaddy. Never been there. And oh. you are out in the middle of nowhere, but you're actually right near Italian Swiss Colony, right? We are right next door to the one of the uh, the original plant of uh, Italian Swiss Colony, correct? You know what I didn't realize? Italian Swiss Colony is actually a place, and it has its own zip code and everything. I was doing a little research. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, definitely. It, okay. has, uh, it was uh, in this area here. We have a lot of uh, uh, small communities that started out as what they called colonies at the time, and they were either uh, ethnic or or religious-based, many of them, and Italian Swiss Colony was one of them. Uh, this one's wine-based. Yep, exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it was. I mean, it really was. It, it, was uh, it was a whole bunch of people that obviously knew how to make some good wines, got together, and they actually started a uh, company. Okay. Well, while the TTB will not let you uh, put anything on the label that implies happiness, I thought maybe if I took a buzz up there, bring the microphones, we could talk about just how happy your vermouths and other wines make me. Oh, I, I think that? that's great, David. I mean, you you, you said uh, something about me mentioning stumble. You just used the word buzz. You know, I'm, I, as me, as me. Oh, no. Well, I, didn't, I didn't use it in that context. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. All right, but here's what I – okay, so seriously, I'm going to come up there. I want to come up there before next week's show, and let's do our show from Kauai. Let's open. Let's open people's eyes to vermouth and not as an ingredient in the martini. You do not need – listen, folks, you do not need alcohol or spirits, I should say, to make vermouth better. It is delicious on its own. And it's time that we return vermouth to its proper place, which is one of the champion aperitifs in the world that needs no support from some high alcohol spirit. Although I'm sure that <laughs> you sell a lot of vermouth because of that. I, you know. Yeah, we do. I, I'm, uh, I, uh, I'm a martini drinker from way back. So okay. There's no problem there. So what is the, what is the recipe? Uh, how much vermouth and how much, uh, what is it, vodka or gin or whatever you want? The two dry ones that you saw there, the Whisper, we actually uh, came out with second. Originally, we had the extra dry, and that was uh, for gin, for you know traditional uh, gin martini. The Whisper was for the vodka crowd. I mean, so uh, the vodka martini people, they wanted something uh, not so assertive. And that's where that uh, the whisper dry comes in. Okay, sounds good. So listen, here's the deal. We are definitely going to have you guys on the show next week. That's the deal. I will talk to you offline. We will set a time. We will get there. And everybody that's listening, <laughs> you got to tune in. The Quaddy people are all about fun. Oh, and man, this is awesome. <laughs> all about fun. I mean, Andy Quaddy is the funniest guy on earth. Oh, he, oh, he's the original mad scientist. Oh, my gosh. If he, if he's around, I'd love to talk to him. I don't know if he is or he isn't. but yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do. See what you can do. But in the meantime, Michael Blaylock, the director of winemaking at Quaddy, is a hoot all by himself. And I am so looking forward to seeing you. That sounds good, David. All right. We're going to talk more to you in person next week. So we're going to sign off at least with you. And we're going to get with Sarah Schneider, wine editor of Sunset Magazine, when we return with Grape Encounters. Hey, thanks, Michael. Hey, thanks, David. See you next week. Bye. 
don't forget to join our Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group page, where incredibly fun people just like you share ideas and frequently get together to share a bottle as well. Every week, David has the good fortune of enjoying wine with some pretty amazing people. But few things can compare to spending some quality time sipping with Sarah. Sarah Schneider, that is. The wine editor of Sunset Magazine. Sipping on sunshine. And your grape encounter continues. Now time for the... What did I call her last week? I called her the darling of the wine world. I think that's going to be her official title. Sarah Schneider, wine editor, Sunset Magazine. You get to read her words, but now you get to hear them. I'm so glad to have you on, Sarah. We're going on three years now. You're right, but I have to say it's just way better sitting and talking and sipping more often than not with you than writing on my screen. And you know what? You cannot get carpal tunnel from doing this. (laughs) No. No, from holding the microphone. There's no lifting. Although I do. I think I have (laughs) carpal tunnel from holding a wine glass. (laughs) Hey, you remember back, I think it was probably about a a year and a half ago, or maybe two years ago, I was talking about some of the wines that I thought were big up-and-comers and wines that you should really look out for. And I think at the time, I was talking about Petite Syrah and Petite Verdot. You were? I was definitely wrong mm-hmm. on Petite Verdot. Petite Syrah, not so much. I'm seeing a lot of Petite Syrah now. And, you know, as wines sure. to watch that are wines that you're going to see as single varietal wines more and more of... I got a new darling now. Oh, I used your word. Um, yeah, but I got oh, I'm sorry. I'm cheating on you, Sarah. Um, oh, no, it. I've got a new darling where wine is concerned and hmm. a varietal that, for one thing, has earned a lot of respect. Okay. But had a very disrespectful son who literally kicked this varietal in the teeth, who pounced on his father. And it just wasn't right. Oh, my goodness. You've, you've got a soap opera going there. I do. It is. So I've poured some for you because my mission today is to return the rightful respect that this wine has earned over the ages. Okay. And to say, you know what? It's time to come back, to come back to this varietal. Okay. And this is the varietal that I think is the one to watch. It's not a new varietal by any stretch of the imagination. Well, you called it a But it parent. is a varietal that is very hard to find a lot of the time. And I think it is time that we start demanding of wine retailers a greater presence of this rital on the shelves. Because it is up to the drinkers to do the demanding. Yes, it is. And plus, I would be a lot happier if I could get more of this. So please. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Do my bidding. Okay. okay. Have a sip, Sarah. All right. Can I have a sniff first? Oh, heck yeah. Okay. Boy, did I th- I threw you a heavy pour there, didn't I? You did. <laughs> <Totally> smoked. <laughs> like half the bottle is in your glass. And it's actually a very big glass. So, <laughs> so excuse me, I'm just going to sign off now. Isn't it funny how, you know, they make these glasses big on purpose. You're not supposed to fill them all. Exactly. Yeah, but people do that. Okay. All right. All right give it a see, sniff. See I'll, what I get I'll from talk. the sniff. Okay, I'm just going to watch your face as you sniff. Okay. See if I can extract anything. She's got her nose deeply embedded into the glass, ladies and gentlemen. Now she's swirling. She's going back for another sniff. Oh, my you gosh. She's now grinning. duct taping the glass to her face. No. Uh, what's happening here? Okay. This is a very aromatic wine. It's, it's red. We should say it's it red. It is a red wine. Yes, yeah. 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 And it is just giving off 
mint and herbs and all manner of floral things in the world. It's exciting, isn't it? That's pretty cool. It's exciting. Yeah. And I will say this is very much a single varietal wine, but again, a varietal that was maligned by its own offspring. Maligned by its own offspring. Imagine that. Could could it be? Do children ever do that to their parents? Uh, This one did. Okay, now I'm going to taste. Okay, this one did. Wow, that's a beautiful wine. It's just brimming with berries and and crushed herbs and and. Did I pick well? You picked well. I wish everybody could see. You know what? You just have become breathless. I saw it. <laughs> you just like went into this whole like catatonic state. It was fantastic. A good wine. I don't does think that I, for I don't me. think I've seen that in you. You just like went back. You just gave this sigh and 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 it was like. Oh, just forget about the interview. I mean, the, <laughs> kind the of. thing. I'm just going to enjoy this wine. I was in the David, zone you take of the wine. it from here. Yeah. In the um, zone of the wine. All right, keep going. Um, I've got a guess as to what this wine is. I have another Do, sip. Another sip first. Okay. Okay. Okay, she's sipping. She's smiling. Oh, her eyes are twinkling. Holy smoke. Look at that. I've never seen Sarah Schneider quite so content, I think. <laughs> wow. So the wine, without even naming it, is already an argument for what you've just said you hope happens to this variety, because that is a beautiful version of it. Yes. And, and it's going to actually be surprising. There's, there is a surprise element to this. Okay. But you want to take a stab at the varietal? I would stake a few dollars on it being Cabernet Franc. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> How much? <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> Too late now, huh? Wow, you got it. Wow. Well, you know what? It's a hard one for people to guess because I would say that about 1% of the population is familiar with Cab Franc. It's That's not a wine true. that people know a lot about. Let me simply say this. Cab Franc was the big daddy in Bordeaux for a long, long time. But then Cab Franc started catting around, met Sauvignon Blanc, a white Which wine. Which is shocking. You know, and they got together had a love child, Cabernet Sauvignon. Yes, they did. And what happened? Cabernet Sauvignon completely disrespected dad and mom. Well, actually, he let Sauvignon Blanc sort of have her way. And, you know, and she continues to be very popular. But he basically threw Cab Franc, dad, under the bus. And Cab Franc is basically non-existent on wine shelves you know, mostly on its, its own. It, it's, it's it's really hard it's to in, find. It's in those red blends. Yeah, it's very it's very rare to find Cab Franc. And you know, for a while it was just Cab Franc. Then it was Cab Franc blended with Cabernet Sauvignon. Then it was then it was just a little bit of Cab Franc. And then see you later, Frank. That's it. So it was the story of when Franc met Blanc, and <laughs> <laughs> Cabernet Sauvignon came along. I you know what? I'm gonna you're gonna hear something out of my lips that you never expected, Sarah Schneider. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like Cab Franc better than Cabernet Sauvignon. Wow. I do. That's that's a big I statement, I think, David. I think Cabernet Franc is one of the most gorgeous, most beautiful varietals out there. We just don't see a lot of it. Oh, well, this How this you like makes that? your case. This sure makes your case. But boy, I, I think that its downfall for a lot of years was they weren't getting it ripe enough. And it tends to have those those green herbs, those fresh herbs go greener when it's not ripe enough, and you can actually get a jalapeno. So you know what I think would be the solution? I'm just throwing this out there as just a possibility. Malbec, still part of the same family, okay? The Bordeaux family, 
Same problem. Malbec couldn't get ripe enough in France. So what did Malbec do? It went to Argentina. Malbec went to where? Oh, sorry. Ooh. Well, look at this. Cabernet Franc went to Argentina. Yeah. This is La Madrid Single Vineyard Reserva. Cabernet Franc. How stunning is that? That is a stunning wine. And you know what? Did you just not hit it right on the head? Couldn't get ripe enough. And that's exactly what happened to, to Malbec. And that's why you are only to buy Malbecs from Argentina or Chile is okay too. But that's an order. Okay, because you're going to be a lot happier with those. Not to say we don't make some good Malbec here. We do. That's true. But you know what? For If you'll spend $30 on a Malbec from Argentina, you're going to get something that you know you might expect to pay $100 for here. Right. I mean, in terms of quality. Although I would throw Washington State in there as very promising on the Malbec. Uh, okay, run. so I'm going to tell you I'm really not familiar with Washington Malbecs. I'm going to just say that. So maybe when we, could you like pull some? Do you have some? Like maybe we could try? I probably do. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll try maybe 10 or 12 of them just to start. Yeah, just to okay. start. Okay. <laughs> so what do you think? I would buy this in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. This is a beautiful wine. And, and this is like around a $28 bottle wow. of wine. Are you shocked? Stunning. Yeah. Stunning. I'm shocked. So I would call this, honestly, one of the greatest finds since I got into the wine retail business, this La Madrid, I think it's really breathtaking, absolutely beautiful wine. And I've had Cab Francs from California at $80, $100 that this goes toe-to-toe with. I believe that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's it. Cab Franc. That's your homework assignment, kids. Cab Franc. No, not kids. The Parents. I meant to say parents. Cab Franc is a wine you need to really keep your eye peeled for. Please don't buy it indiscriminately. Ask your wine retailer to make a good recommendation. Expect from California to pay quite a bit for Cab mm-hmm. Franc. It's not a cheap wine. It's very rare that you're going to see Cab Franc, good Cab Franc, for under 60 It tends to be on the expensive side. It's worth it. You will find it for less. But, you know, this is something that was completely off my radar, Argentinian Cab Franc, but makes sense. Sarah stumbled onto it without skipping a beat. You know, (laughs) it needs ripeness. And South America, really good place to ripen grapes quickly, or properly, I should say. So we're going to look for more down there in South America. I'm on the trail. Okay, Sarah, shall we put on our sombreros and (laughs) head south? Sure. Okay. Don't forget to join our Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group page, where incredibly fun people just like you share ideas and frequently get together to share a bottle as well. Welcome back to Grape Encounters where we like to think of every wine country as home. However, our studios are located in the very friendly town of Atascadero, California, where fine wine can be found in every direction, which means you never really need directions to get anywhere you really want to go. Mama may have Papa may have God bless the child that's got his own will, that's got his own will.
All right, we are back with Grape Encounters Radio, and we're going to finish off the show with something I've never talked about before on Grape Encounters. I ever once in a while get an invitation to attend something that is called the Blessing of the Vines. I don't know why, I just haven't been to one of these events, but got an invitation from our good friend Gil Ganyan, Ganyan Sellers, former vice president of post-production at Disney. Gil, welcome back to Grape Encounters. Awesome. Thanks for having me, David. Well, so what's this Blessing of the Vines thing? You know, a lot of people, uh, this time of year, they'll have different types of parties, whether they call it a harvest party, or in, in this case, it's Blessing of the Vines, and it really is a blessing. For us, as you know, the last time we spoke, uh, about four months ago, we had just put the vines in the ground. So these little vines that were less than a foot tall, some of those things are actually nine and ten feet tall. No way, really? Just four months. So all of that hard work and prep that we did really paid off, and they're only four months old, so there are no grapes, so we actually can't have a harvest party, but we are going to bless the vines, and you know, it's just a way to say thanks to all the people that helped get us here, and certainly the crew that helped even, you know, put it in, and all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be a a great little celebration. Now, will you have a priest there that will be dangling one of those things with frankincense and mirth and and that sort of thing? Will that happen? Well, you know, actually, as part of the entertainment here at at the party, my band, and I think I've mentioned to you before that I have a, a band of studio executives and such, but we have a fabulous guitar player who also happens to be an ordained minister. So we actually are going to have a little small blessing. So he's an ordained minister, he's the guitar player, and is he also a studio guy? He actually uh, is the head of a media department for an actual church organization, and so this is right up his alley. Uh, and he just happens to be one of the most awesome guitar players uh, on the planet. As far as I'm concerned, his name is Randy Ashburn. Wow. Now, you know what? This is completely off of grapes and wine for a second, but your band, can you just go down the list of the guys in the band? And, and if somebody wanted to get more information on the band or just listen to some of the music, where could they go and what would they look for? Well, I think you probably could find some stuff either on YouTube. The name of the band is Second Sight, and we have done some great gigs. We've opened up for the Beach Boys in Phoenix, and uh, we got to play the big Super Bowl party that was hosted by Mark Wahlberg and Michael Bay uh, in Phoenix when the Super Bowl was there the year before. Plus, we would play all the normal Sunset Boulevard clubs and stuff, the Whiskey and the Roxy and the Viper Room and those kind of things. But in the band, uh, we have some really talented guys, and uh, and they happen to be, you know, big-name guys in the movie business. So on guitar, we have a gentleman named Bruce Hendricks. He was a longtime president of Disney production. Wow. Uh, executive producer on a lot of big movies, like all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And he also directed some movies, directed some concert movies and different things like that. And on bass guitar, uh, a gentleman named Bill Fay. Same thing, longtime executive at a company called Legendary Pictures. And they did a lot of big action movies. Some of the Batman movies or 300 Hangover movies. So, you know, he's a big deal. Yeah. On keyboards, a gentleman named Jay Rowey is the head of production at HBO. So wow. he oversees, you know, everything you love on HBO, like Game of Thrones or any of those kind of things. So, wow. Uh, and he is just a phenomenal musician as well. And our singer is also an HBO guy that uh, he uh, handles all the archives and everything at HBO. So it, it was really a group of talented guys, both 
you know, up with their instruments in their hands. And we, we refer to this as bowling night for us. It's a way <laughs> that we kind of can get away from all this studio and movie activity and a way to, you know, really have fun and cut loose. I'm, I'm amazed. We'll be doing, I'm, uh, you know, we'll be doing at our party as well. Yeah, I'm amazed at how many people who are in the wine business actually have a music background as well. There are a lot of winemaking musicians out there. And I think there's just this sort of relationship between music and wine that is, you know, very obvious. And, you know, we've seen so many studies, too, about that relationship. Do you notice that, that wine and music go hand in hand? Absolutely. Well, I think you have a couple components going on there. One is it's the creative component. So winemaking is a very creative craft and just like playing an instrument or or painting a picture or doing anything else, making a movie. It's it's all very creative. And so I, I see that. And also, you can imagine, we all know, we've all experienced it. It's one thing if you have a glass of wine and you're sitting out on the you know, back patio looking off into the sunset, and, and you can relax and it's just quiet, and sometimes that feels great and is appropriate, but all of a sudden, you know, if the right music is on, it just feels that much better. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you can pair the music with the wine. You know, don't just put any music on willy-nilly. That's the yes, thing. Absolutely. You've got to think about the wine, think about the music. Okay, all right, so your Cabernet, what do we pair with that? Well, you know, I think there's so many different things. I really believe, just just like in most things, that everybody's individual. So just as I, I probably would refrain from trying to tell you what you should be tasting when you're tasting my Cabernet, but it's just whatever's going to make you feel good. And it certainly is a feel-good wine. I love it, and everybody's been enjoying it. It, so, All right, but I'm, uh, I got just... a I got a song for your Cabernet. You ready? Yeah, hit me. Okay, Riders on this Storm. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Just yeah. You know, it's, Why don't you try? Yeah, it? You know, <laughs> you could you could sit there and honestly, you could play just about anything. Although I do, and why that song would be appropriate is like you know, it's got a story to tell and it's very visual. You listen to the words and the sound that's going on within. No, that I just like that. I, I just and, like and the. You d- could just d- sit back and enjoy the wine. I like the deepness and the richness and the intensity of that song. Just like the deepness and the richness and the intensity of the Ganyan Cellars Cabernet. That's it. Uh, you are much more of a wordsmith than I. Poet and didn't know it. Anyway, hey, so the Blessing of the Vines this weekend at Ganyan Cellars, and congratulations on that. And I'm glad that you are turning to a higher power to ensure the ongoing quality of everything you do there. And congratulations on getting the vineyard in. I'm really proud of you. Yes, thank you so much. And also, you know, that's the real reason for celebration. It also is inspirational to a lot of people that just want to come and see what you've done and they know that you know i've been wanting to do that for a long time so uh it's time to celebrate all right i'm taking you out gil ganyan with writers on this storm that's going to do it for grape encounters and you can uh, check out his wines online website is gil it's ganyancellars.com it's g-a-g-n-o-n-c-e-l-l-a-r-s Okay, that, I guess, as we say in the movie business, is a wrap, right? That's it. It's a wrap. Okay, if you want to hear a repeat of this show or any show of Grape Encounters, go to grapeencounters.com. We will see you next week. Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm.